0: on tight here we go with another exciting edition of midday on the rural radio network under christensen welcome to it for the next couple of hours we fill up time with all kinds of information that you're going to need and uh, we've got some good stories to start things off with today let's go right over to the ag corner to find out what's on the mind of jesse harding
1: it's the calm before the storm oh
0: my heavens what could that mean
1: we're busy this week Next week, and then state fair.
0: Oh yeah!
1: So we have soybean management field days going on this week. Other meetings this week. Meetings next week. Meetings before state fair, and then state fair. So it's a little crazy.
0: Not to mention Husker Harvest Days following that.
1: That's right. It all just gets swooped into one big. And do
0: you ever have meetings to talk about your
2: upcoming meetings?
1: (laughs) We just had one. Okay, yeah, just (laughs) that. We all had a powwow with farm team to get all our ducks in a row before it kicks out it's
0: like a list of lists yeah
1: that's right. And, but today's pretty calm for the most part. For the twelve 13, we'll talk about two Kansas State agronomy professors who received awards last week in Madison, Wisconsin. We'll discuss that. Coming up at the twelve nineteen. I am joined with two different people. I'll have Brian Brown, who is a farmer in Central City, and also Morgan Rick. She is the director of, program director at Nebraska Corn Growers Association. They're kicking off a new local chapter in Murrick County. It was a first official meeting that they have they will have upcoming meetings as well so we discuss the first meeting to kick off that chapter and what it looks like in the process to start a new chapter and then for the 117 shebella guzman is joined with unl road scholar tour that took place last week where they take a variety of their new staff at the university and give them a tour of nebraska and agriculture products found throughout the state So Chebella is with Zen Chow on irrigation at Kim Clark Dairy is where they were at when she was able to meet up with the tour group.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds like good. Good listening. We'll stand by for that one. Jason Jorgensen over here. You have the newsmaker. I
2: do. We'll talk to our old buddy Bob Jensen of the Huskerland Prep Report. Fall football practice underway across the state for all the fall sports. Seems hard to believe, but that's where we are. In the year. Also, speaking of practice, get the thoughts of Nebraska head coach Mike Riley. He is happy with what he has seen so far. A weekend for the Huskers. Carney Little Leaguers got up to a good start yesterday at the Midwest Regional in Indianapolis, knocking off Iowa three to two. They're back in action this afternoon. They will take on Missouri at three. And sad news in baseball. Longtime player and coach Don Baylor. He died today of cancer. He was 68. He was quite the player. I think he still holds a major league record for being hit the most. <laughs> <Does> he really? <laughs> he had a talent. He was a big guy and didn't get out of the way. Yeah. And then he was a manager for a while. And, of course, uh, he managed the Rockies and got them to the playoffs in just their third year mm-hmm. of existence.
0: You know, that's interesting because I've seen guys, you know, just at the, I don't know, junior college, Legion level, step in front of a pitch. You don't do that in the majors too much. No, and
2: they've changed the <laughs> rules a little bit, but <laughs> yeah.
0: Don knew how to get on base one way or the other. It's Bob Brogan with the business.
2: Stocks are edging higher. Tyson Foods is up by about four and a 4.8%. Also today, um, Tesla is raising cash for the Tesla 3 push, um, and the Nebraska Public Service Commission is holding formal hearings this week on the proposed route of the
0: Keystone XL pipeline. Okay, all this and more coming up for you today on Midday. Here's a rag weather brought to you by Coleman Repair, and Paul Perkins is in here. I'll tell you what, there are lots of places on the map who would give their eye teeth for the recent history and the forecast that you have for
3: us. Yes, uh, some, a lot of have-nots recently with the rain, and it looks like maybe some holes will get filled in with some be- better chances of some rain. Uh, that west to northwest flow going to continue to move through our region. Last last week, we kind of phrased it as stuck in the middle with a lot of stuff coming at you. Uh, It's also probably you could apply anything that comes down the pike. It's going to be coming at us over the next several days. All
0: right. Well, we'll take every little bit we can get.
3: Exactly. We do still have a little bit of light rain in central Kansas towards Salina right along I-70. Otherwise, most of the light rain in Kansas from about Great Bend back to the southwest corner of Kansas. Also, some light rain scattered about eastern Colorado, but mainly to the southwest of Yuma down to around Lima, Colorado. In eastern Colorado, they had 6.2 inches of rain. Just south of Kirk, Colorado, which is just to the west of Goodland. So some heavy rains with that. Thunderstorms remain possible in our forecast today and tonight. More disturbances tracking southeast. The better chances over the southwest, southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado, where they could see some more heavy rain and flash flooding. And that problem existing all the way through tomorrow. The region... Overall, we'll continue to be locked in that west to northwest flow between a high-pressure ridge over the southwest and a low-pressure trough to our east. That means for us, below normal temperatures and a forecast pretty much just littered with multiple thunderstorm chances as we see one disturbance right after another. Many locations between now and the weekend... Good average, about 1 to 2 inches of rain. Some locations looking at the potential of 2 to 3 inches total, once again, between now and the weekend. The severe threat, luckily, on the lower non-existent side through at least Wednesday morning. We may see some marginally severe storms late in the week from Wednesday afternoon into the late half of the week. The first week of August... In central Nebraska, most likely going to be our third coolest on record. And the first two weeks of August in central Nebraska may end up being the coolest on record. Some central Nebraska locations may be tying or breaking the record of eight days of not even warming to 80. And this first half of August is usually the tail end of our hottest time of the year. In the long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas are forecast to start out cooler than normal this weekend and early next week. They're going to start seeing a trend to more near-normal temperatures towards the middle of next week to August 20th, the day before the eclipse. And after today in central Nebraska, the hottest time of the year comes to an end starting tomorrow. Central Nebraska daytime highs start to average more in the mid-80s with overnight lows on average in the upper 50s. Our precipitation forecast holds on to above-normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through the 20th, but those chances not as great as what we saw last week in the long-term forecast. In the markets, weather factors include cool temperatures with variable rain in the central U.S. and mixed conditions in the Black Sea region. Rains of 1 to 3 inches expected on the central and southern plains, but the drought-stricken northern plains Not expected to receive even an inch. It will probably be mostly dry in the Midwest. That will contrast with some periods of heavy rain in parts of the south and east U.S. A relentless heat wave will persist for the rest of the week in the northwest, with hot weather gradually expanding to cover most areas west of the Rockies. The forecast of beneficial rain and near-normal temperatures in much of the Midwest will benefit pollinating and filling corn and soybeans. Significant dry areas still, though, exist in Iowa. Cooler weather in the northern plains will lower the stress for later pollinating and filling corn and filling beans, but rain will be limited with that high pressure overhead. Moderate to heavy rain this week will benefit the southern plains crops. Canadian prairies crop yields on track to be lower than last year due to their drought. Major losses to spring wheat already certain. They expect to turn to more hot and dry weather in the 6- to 10-day period. There's mostly favorable soil conditions in most of Russia and Ukraine, but more rain would benefit southeast Ukraine and southwest portions of the southern district of Russia
0: weather with Paul Perkins brought to you by Coleman repair today and uh, I noticed that we do have some flash flood watches that are posted anything to be too concerned about y- there?
3: yeah you know that potential for some heavy rain especially in Northwest Kansas and Eastern Colorado it's right there on the Nebraska er, front, right there on the Colorado Kansas border is where they do have that greatest threat for flash flooding
0: all right and they've been getting some pretty healthy uh, readings there I see two two and a half three
3: inches older. yeah and like that one location just west of or west of Goodland Kirk, Colorado six inches huge all right well when you need weather anytime krvn.com
1: Good agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jessie Harding. Two Kansas State University Department of Agronomy faculty members received prestigious awards at the 72nd International Annual Conference of Soil and Water Conservation Society in Madison, Wisconsin, on August 2nd. Chuck Rice, University Distinguished Professor, received the Hugh Hammond Bennett Award and Colby Moorberg, Assistant Professor professor received the outstanding service award the hugh hammond bennett award recognizes extraordinarily national and international accomplishments in the conservation of soil water and related natural resources in honoring rice with this award the society noted that rice is recognized as one of the world's leading soil microbial ecologists the Outstanding Service Award is given to a society member in recognition of distinguished service in helping it develop and carry out its program over a long and sustained period of time. In honoring Moorberg with this award, the society stated that it had advanced soil and water conservation efforts through recruitment to and development of student chapters of the society, community outreach, and educating the next generation of conservationists. The agriculture economy nationwide continues to struggle, and because of that, many commodity prices remain low, translating into small farmers and ranchers that are struggling. And Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union, recently told the Senate Agriculture Committee it's important that the 2018 Farm Bill provide meaningful assistance in two fundamental circumstances.
4: When disaster strikes and when prices are low and remain below the cost of production for extended periods of time. These two scenarios have separate solutions. The first is crop insurance, and the second is commodity programs.
1: Johnson also stressed the vital importance of crop insurance in essential risk management tool for family farmers, which he said is constantly under threat of budget cuts in Congress. And Tyson Foods' beef business delivered the biggest year on year quarter growth among the co- company segments in the latest quarter. And the top U.S. knee packer tells investors to expect growth from burgers and steaks for years to come. CEO Tom Hayes on their fiscal quarter three conference call says, and I quote, We see very good conditions for beef as far out as 2020. Shock to the system could change that, but the outlook for prolonged expansion comes after the U.S. beef industry has grappled with fallout from the 2012 drought that sharply reduced the U.S. cattle herd and helped push beef prices for customers to record levels. And on August 4th, the International Longshore and Warehouse Union announced that its members have approved a three-year extension of the labor contract covering 29 West Coast ports. The contract now runs through June 30th of 2022. U.S. Meat Export Federation President and CEO says, and I quote, the contract extension helps ensure that United States will continue to live up to its reputation as a reliable red meat supplier. And It is very good news for everyone in the supply chain, from farmers and ranchers to processors and traders, and for our customers in key Asian and Latin American markets. And it serves as a congestion that we saw the West Coast ports in 2014 and 15 created major logistical problems for U.S. red meat exporters and prompted some international customers to seek alternative suppliers during that time. More information about this story and others can be found anytime online by visiting rollradio.com. You can stay up to date by following us on Facebook and on Twitter. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
0: You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, one week of fall camp is in the books for the Huskers, and
2: head coach Mike Riley is happy with how things have started.
3: This has been just a really seamless, smooth week, maybe as much so as any that I've been in. You know, I I don't want to speak in too dramatic of a fashion, but really good. Guys doing what they're supposed to
2: do. The Huskers started their second week of camp uh, earlier today with a practice. Today is also the first day for practice for UNK, and it's the first day for fall sports practice for high schools across the state of Nebraska. Coming up on midday, we will talk with Bob Jensen of the Huskerland Prep Report about the upcoming Nebraska high school football season. The Carney Little League Baseball team got up to a good start at the Midwest Regional in Indianapolis yesterday, downing Iowa three to two. Carney is scheduled to play again this afternoon against Missouri at three. Don Baylor, the 1979 American League MVP, died today of cancer. He was 68. Baylor played for the Orioles, A's, Angels, Yankees, Red Sox, and Twins over a 19-year career. He was an all-star and the MVP winner for the Angels in 1979 when he led the majors in RBIs and runs and also set career highs in home runs and hits. He reached the World Series three straight times at the end of his career and won the title with the Twins in 1987. He then went on to have a long coaching career. He was the first manager of the expansion Rockies, leading them to their first playoff appearance in the franchise third season. He also managed the Chicago Cubs. Well, the Royals host the Cardinals tonight in the opener of their four-game matchup with their cross-state rival. The Missouri postseason contenders play twice at Kaufman Stadium, then two more at Bush Stadium. Now, over the weekend, the Royals announced that all-star catcher Salvador Perez is headed to the disabled list. Manager Ned Yost breaks down his injury. What happens is these things get swollen and full of fluid, and you have to give it some time to get out of there so you can really take a good look at the extent of the injury. So, again, it's going to be, you know, probably tomorrow or Tuesday before we'll have a better idea, exactly the timeline. And in football, the Dolphins have landed another quarterback. Free agent Jay Cutler has agreed to terms with the contract with the Dolphins. He's expected to compete with Matt Moore for the starting job. Dolphins coach Adam Gaze was offensive coordinator for the Bears when Cutler had a career-best quarterback rating with them in 2015. The 34-year-old didn't receive much interest once he left Chicago following last season. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
5: There's a slight chance of showers this afternoon with thunderstorms also possible after 1. Partly sunny with a high near 74 and winds around 5. Tonight, a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 1 with a low of around 58. And then for Tuesday, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mostly cloudy with a high near 72. South winds at 5 to 10. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. The Nebraska Public Service Commission today began formal hearings on the proposed route of the Keystone XL pipeline in Nebraska. Mark Hefflinger with Bold Nebraska says there are strong concerns about threats to imminent domain, as well as environmental threats to water, land, and health.
6: We have, in the last almost 10 years, established a really amazing, unlikely alliance of farmers and ranchers, environmentalists, Native American, indigenous allies. We have a broad coalition of folks, including
7: everyday Americans who just believe in protecting our land, water, and climate.
5: Hundreds of opponents of the pipeline gathered yesterday in Lincoln at the steps of the state capitol. But in Omaha, supporters of the pipeline held a picnic, including members of Union 1140. Steve Renshaw was among them. It's a good opportunity for all of our members to be able to go to work, pay their bills, pay their taxes, buy the fuel, buy groceries, and just raise their families. The pipeline's owner, TransCanada, contends the route is safe and says construction will boost the state's economy through jobs and property taxes. Four hearings with public testimony were heard earlier this year, and this week's approved interveners will present their cases before the commission. 830,000 barrels of crude oil will travel through the pipeline daily from Canada to Nebraska through Montana and South Dakota, which have both approved their permit. Grand Island authorities say a 29-year-old man has been killed by a hit-and-run driver. Police officers were dispatched to the scene around 4.30 a.m. Monday to check a report about a man lying in the road. He was soon pronounced dead. The man's name has not been released. No arrests have been reported. A weekend accident in Kansas has claimed the life of a husband and a wife just one day after their marriage. The Wichita Eagle reports that the accident happened around 6.30 p.m. Saturday near Clearwater, Kansas. The driver of a truck, Austin Wesson, was pronounced dead at the scene. His 19-year-old wife, Rebecca Buma, died about 12.30 a.m. Monday in a hospital. Buma and Wesson married on Friday. The Topeka Veterans Affairs Hospital is planning a $4.5 million modernization project this fall. The project entails expanding the emergency department, including private patient bays, a central physician and nursing hub, and a dedicated waiting space for families. The project comes as the hospital struggles with staffing shortage. In severe storm season, remember the Weather Watch never sleeps. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster.
2: Jason Jorgensen on the Rural Radio Network. Football practice starting up this week across the state in Nebraska for high schools, and we are joined by Bob Jensen of the Huskerland Prep Report. Bob, as always, thanks a lot for the time.
7: Great, Jason. Uh, it's always great to be on uh, with you, of course, my friend, and uh, we're, ready to, we're ready to talk some football.
2: Bob, as we all get set for another season of high school football across the state, who are some of the top players this year going into the fall that have really jumped out to you?
7: Well, I, you know, there's, there's all sorts of great players, uh, as, as usual, uh, you know, uh, t- to me, Bryson Williams, the kid who committed to, uh, uh Wisconsin, Lincoln Southeast lineman, he's, he's, uh, he's about the gold standard, I think, in Class A, but Class B is loaded. And, um, you know, a lot of people want to, obviously, we all want to talk Huskers, uh, uh, and so we've got a couple of those, uh, Masri, uh, Maypew there at, uh, uh, York, uh, big uh, big lineman who's just a dominant football player, and then Cameron Jergens, the kid from uh, from Beatrice, who's uh, just an incredible linebacker at the high school level. Uh He's actually going to play tight end uh, when he gets to Nebraska. But you also got kids like uh, Moses Bryant there at Elkhorn South who. He's going to wind up at Nebraska, one way or the other. He's got some things to take care of. But Moses is certainly talented enough to play there. You got Austin Schultz, kid uh, down at Norris, who uh, actually is going to Wichita State on Division One baseball. He's one of the great high school baseball players in the entire country, actually. And so there's there's a lot of players like that. There's just a, there's just a lot of uh, uh, really good top end talent again this year in the state.
2: How would you rate that talent to other years? Uh, an average year, above average year? What's your take on that?
7: It's good. We've got a lot of good players in this class. And it is, uh, it is uh, somewhat unusual to have that many Division One, I, uh, I mean, legit Division One commits and people ready to go uh, in Class B. But, uh, there's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good year. And, uh, i you know, I, you know, we've got a couple kids going to wind up in Nebraska for sure. You, you always hold out hope that, uh, you know, maybe another one or two could find their way down there. And of course, uh, me personally, if someone asks my opinion, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied, uh, uh, with the walk-on program at Nebraska. I think the opportunity is there for, a, uh, a fair number of kids, you always wish there could be a, a few more because, uh, as history has proven, you know Nebraska kids are going to sell out when they have a chance to play for big red, and uh, sometimes we 've had really good players just simply get overlooked or just be so blinded by the idea of playing for Nebraska they go there at the expense of a scholarship somewhere else and turn out to be really good college football players but uh, Bottom line, we got a lot of good kids, and uh, you know they'll all be playing football here in a couple of weeks, and that's uh, that's the best news of all.
2: We're joined by Bob Jensen of the Huskerland Prep Report as we look at the uh, upcoming high school football season in the state of Nebraska. Bob, uh, who are some teams that have kind of caught your eye?
7: Well, I, I tell you what. When we, when we look at our top tens, uh, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that looks the, the same, and the reason why that is is uh, programs trump teams. Everybody's going to have a team. Every program in the state is going to produce a good team sometime. It's the consistent winning that uh, that makes a program a program. And so you know, winners win, and that's what's going to probably happen again this year. You know, Elkhorn South is going to be going for three in a row. Uh, By the skin of its teeth, uh, they won their last two games last year. But Elkhorn South will be going for three in a row in B. Uh, We like Aquinas a lot in in C1. I'm telling you what, C2 is wide open. It's just wide open. Uh, I I like all five of the top five teams. UTAN, Battle Creek, Centennial, Valentine, St. Paul, any of those teams. Uh, are good enough to win state, I think. And D one, D one is the same thing. D one is is open to the point where I was stuck for an answer, Jason. So we just went with uh, what worked last year. We have we have Burwell ranked number one, and I guess somebody's going to have to take that away from him. I don't think that's going to be all that easy. And then the game of the year. Uh, the game of the year uh, in Huskerland Prep Report is uh, actually the pairing of the top two teams in D2, Fall City, Sacred Heart, and BDS. Um, they, they played a Titanic rematch from the regular season in last year's semifinals. Sacred Heart won that with a clutch late drive and then went on to win state. Uh, they're actually going to play that game at 2.30 in the afternoon to accommodate what will no doubt be a huge crowd. And then to go back to Class Eight. Bellevue West was awesome last year. Bellevue West was awesome, undefeated, blew out a great Omaha North team in the final. But it just feels like there's going to be uh, a little bit of a change. And I like Burke and Prep. I like Omaha, Burke, and Creighton Prep an awful lot. And they actually are at the top of our rankings. But you got Bellevue West and Miller North, Omaha North right behind them, you know, uh it, it will be as always a a donny brook and if there's one team jason that i i want to throw out there something that i am really fascinated by in class b is scotts bluff you know garrett nelson the the kid that's a junior he uh, verbally committed over the summer to nebraska but they have got a loaded junior class and if there's one team that c- you know, could rise up from the middle of the top 10, the middle of the pack, if you will, and make a state final when they're maybe not expected to, it would be Scott's Bluff and Class B.
2: And that was Bob Jensen of the Huskerland Prep Report. If you'd like to get your hands on one of his uh, preseason previews or a subscription for his magazine, you can contact he and the rest of the folks in Central City. For the Rural
6: Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. Back on the Rural Radio Network, Let's talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, about our livestock futures trade. Joe,
4: yeah, not a very good day for cattle. Uh, finishing uh, triple-digit losses right straight through the uh, complex, and uh, uh, both the cattle and the feeders. A lot of disappointment over uh, the trade last week. It was, let's call it, basically steady, but that's not what. Uh, the trade was looking for cutouts. Continue to uh, slip, and that uh, uh, and it wasn't a very good week for uh, movement of boxes either. So uh, all those things combined uh, for a disappointing day today. And uh, so we uh, we slipped uh, pretty quickly. Started out lower, never uh, never made uh, much of a rally at all. And uh, so uh, a really uh, hard down day. We did touch limit. In the October uh, cattle, uh, nothing finished limit uh, today, but uh, still uh, a pretty hard down. On the other hand, uh, hogs finishing a little higher uh, today. Cutouts made a little rebound, uh, uh, and the only thing, uh, it appeared that the cash was uh, on the weak side. But uh, we still have these big discounts, uh, but they are closing fast. But... uh, That prompted uh, a little bit more strength, particularly in the October. I think we had a lot of rolling of August uh, back to October on the long side, and that's uh, helped give them a triple-digit gain as well as a December contract. So a mixed day in livestock today to start the week.
6: You can reach Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, at 800-328-0134. Dewey Nelson reporting.
8: Faculty and staff from the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska Lincoln were out traveling across Nebraska last week. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Among the stops for the scholars was Scott's Bluff in the Panhandle Research and Extension Center. Haley Apple, media specialist with IANR, tells us more about the tour.
9: And it's a way to get our new faculty and staff at the Institute to get out and explore Nebraska. Because for a lot of these faculty and staff, not only are they new to the university, but they're also new to the state. So especially as me and the Lang grant university, we really want them to understand um, who we're working for. Get out and meet all the new people of the state or people in the state. Um, get to all of our research and extension locations. Um, understand the work that we're doing in various um, economies, various ecoregions of the state. Um, Um, So we really have a full grasp of who Nebraskans are and who we're serving.
8: Apple gives us a run-through of where the tour has stopped and what the scholars are seeing. So We stopped at the West Central Research and
9: Extension Center, uh, Raising Nebraska, the Cedar Point Biological Station, and then also the Lake McConaughey Visitor Center, the Panhandle Research and Extension Center, to learn all about the vast uh, resources and uh, research that's going on here in the Panhandle. It's Obviously, the, the region is a little bit more unique to what some of our faculty might have been used to experiencing.
8: Among the scholars was Kim Clark, dairy extension educator who works with dairy producers across the state. Clark tells us what she's learned on the tour
10: yeah so this has been a great tour even just learning about the different agriculture across nebraska and the different opportunities and careers and uh, just the different people involved in extension so one of the things that i always try to remember and think about as i'm doing my programming with dairy producers is what other extension educators and faculty members can i bring in to my programs that have areas of expertise so just Meeting those new people and learning about agriculture in Nebraska in in general has been a really good experience.
8: Nebraska has around 160 dairy producers, primarily cattle, and some goat and sheep producers. Clark tells us more about how she assists all three groups.
10: So we have a little bit of knowledge on goats and sheep, and there are one farm that does goat production, one farm that does sheep milk production, but most of our expertise is in dairy cattle. So the bovine cattle, um, that's just what we've been trained on to study. Now if a dairy or if a goat or sheep producer does have questions, they can definitely reach out to us. If we don't know the answer um, based on nutrition or with some of their challenges, we can definitely work to to find a specialist that may have
8: the answer. Another IANR scholar who is also based in Scotts Bluff is Dr. Zin Chow, water and irrigation management specialist. While irrigation is dominant in western Nebraska, Chow talks about what he saw traveling across the state in terms of water availability. Going from east to west because of the um, um, rainfall ingredient, um, you can see the Different crops uh, has been growing from eastern Nebraska to western Nebraska. Apparently, here we are more more relying on irrigation rather than rain fed in eastern Nebraska, and also um, I think uh, it's unique in western Nebraska that uh, we are trying to uh, grow different alternative crops, which is uh, which are more a little bit more uh, drought tolerant compared to the east. The annual tour was first held in 2008. It was organized to help new faculty and staff learn more about Nebraska businesses and university facilities throughout the state. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Mm-hmm.
6: Grain markets rallied today, Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and with us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. What can you say about soybeans and corn today? Was one leading the other?
11: Uh, I think it was just broad-based across across the board. Um, really, makes case wheat probably uh, led us up here, and it was all late late buying, really. It started off slow, and then just kind of, I guess, cascaded as, as we, uh, we closed the day. Um, you know, it's, I was out in the the country this weekend, went to Iowa, drove around, saw some farms, saw some friends, and just a lot of good but not great is kind of the theme across the board in that area, and that is kind of the garden spot. So, I was a little surprised that the guys weren't as, uh, as excited as they were. I think a lot of the cloud cover they've received combined with the cold weather has really been I say a detriment, but more of like a stagnant effect on the beans. So there's some concern here that uh, you know tonight's report maybe isn't going to be as I'd say bearish to yields or bearish to prices. A lot of folks thought where we're going to see this big increase. So a pressure will be on here in two hours. I, I almost think this number could be as traded as as uh, Thursday's number because it could give us some indication on what way they're going to go ahead of time.
6: Yeah, we've got a Thursday report that's going to loom pretty large as far as the traders' minds, isn't it?
11: yeah absolutely I mean it's a the first uh, snapshot of yield that we've gotten all year from the USDA now I don't on the bean side I'm not optimistic on any big change. I think you know down the road we certainly could see something in the forty sixes but usually they're pretty pretty slow to, to just lower and, and especially with the beans it's not usually till the September report so this is going to be more focused on the corn the spring wheat we will get a little bit of a I guess slap in the face as far as what the yields were for the winter wheat but um, Again, the, the the funds are still kind of long here, and I, I think that does concern me a little bit. That uh, you know, there's some liquidation, uh, I guess, risk of liquidation from long positions here. But you know, if if the yields are 162 to 160, uh, you know, or at least that's the perception that they're going to go there. This thing is is probably underpriced.
6: Isn't it positive, however, that we close near the highs in corn, soybeans, and wheat?
11: Absolutely, and right on the 200-day moving average in in, in soybeans. So. You know, I know it feels like we're a lot worse off than we've been, but from a percentage basis, things really aren't that bad. Ten thirty being the high, you know, we're not even five percent off those highs right now, and we can make that back up in a couple of sessions if, if all of a sudden the weather would look look drier and, and warmer. It looks drier. Warmer is still kind of, I guess, the uh, the question mark right now. But dryness is, especially in the, the areas that needed it, we're not going to see much of a of a change there, and um, I think that's going to be the real concern going forward.
6: Thanks, John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielZagMarketing.com.